You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hello, this is Caroline Kay from carolinekay.co, hostess of the Snippets of Genius podcast, Business and Success Coach. If you're a client, show guest, weekly listener, or friend of mine, welcome back. If you're new to the show, it's great to have you here. And I hope that this show is exactly the insight you've been needing to move the needle on your business idea. I'm so proud to introduce my first guest, Zeta McMillan, CEO and co-founder of Predictive Black, an AI-powered software that uses data to help businesses make better decisions. Zeta has had a career built around putting customers at the heart of a business proposition. She started out in advertising, working with global blue chip businesses, including L'Oreal and Procter & Gamble, She's passionate about transforming business performance and it's a privilege to be able to share her top five tips when speaking to investors and to help you to make your proposition land. Together we unpack the steps to take your product to market. You'll even get a sneak peek at the conversations she's had inside the pitch rooms and you get the inside scoop on how to hold your nerve and make your case. I hope you're ready for this. Let's jump in. Zita, welcome to the show. I'm so pleased to have you here. Thank you, Caroline. Delighted to be here. Well, I know that there's so many things we could talk about today, but I think I just want to jump in with how did you find yourself falling down the rabbit hole of tech? Well, because I have a boundless amount of curiosity about, which is why I've been in so many different roles and different industries, because actually I just love the idea that you can turn up with not quite a blank canvas, but with enough curiosity and open-mindedness, I guess, to learn and listen and say, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I wonder if I should know more about it. And so off I trot into the land of developers where a semicolon versus a colon can crash and burn your entire website (laughs) and try and figure it out. Like, why was it so complicated? It's okay to get lost for a little bit, but my contribution to the business is not because I can spot whether there's a colon or a semicolon, because I can't and I still can't. It just drives me crazy that I can't. My contribution is a different space in the business. So you have to then pull yourself out, kind of go, it's okay that I don't know. I'm happy not to know. Yeah. I think getting comfortable with the uncomfortable is such a big part of business and scaling and growing. But I'd love to dig a bit more into the bit that you bring into that business, as well as the logical head and, okay, it might be able to do that, but does it really need to? But getting more into, obviously, that value proposition that you had to develop to go to market and get investment. So could you talk to us a little bit about that leg of the journey? Yeah, I mean, I think that's still evolving. I think the thing about starting your own business and going through the process of, you know, you have an idea, you test out a proposition and and coming from a marketing and advertising background, I already knew that whatever we started with may not be where we ended, you know, but my co-founders would have thought that was completely heretical at the start <laughs> if I said this could just be work in progress, chaps. Let's not get too wedded to it. So I've got this kind of, as you hear more feedback, it's like, well, did that proposition land? You know, plan fast, execute faster. Yes, neat little summary of what you can do. 
But if you take a step back from that, and we started out saying we want to enable financial directors to make better decisions based on data, right? Mm -hmm. So not very pithy, Mm -hmm. but summarized what we were trying to do. And then when you talk to a lot of finance directors, which I did and still do, you know, sometimes they wouldn't articulate it that way. Sometimes they would say, well, actually, what I really need to do is be able to answer a question faster. And you're like, well, to answer the question, you have to have done the prep. Yeah. You know, that's the so you find yourself you can be buffeted around a little bit by people's feedback. And we're working with a brilliant chap at the moment who who keeps reminding us that feedback in and of itself doesn't make a pattern. You know, you've got to really work hard to draw out the themes and the patterns from feedback. So you've got to be quite um, bold to stick to your guns on certain things. So, yeah. So the value proposition development, which we're still doing, I've literally done some refinements this week on our sales messaging. So love you just it. keep on going. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think a big part of what you said there is really critical is the mindset, just letting go of what the final outcome is going to be, not constantly striving for perfection, but knowing that this is going to evolve and that could be better. So just get excited about that journey. I think that's brilliant. And what tips would you offer to our listeners for speaking to investors? You talked a bit about the value proposition there, getting that customer feedback, which is also really critical. But when you're actually there pitching to to investors and going in for the gold, what will your top tips be? Don't get offended if they don't like what you do. Like number one, Absolute number one. They're not telling you you've produced ugly kids. So just don't get offended, right? Get offended if they insult your children, obviously, if you've got them, whatever. Or, you know, they're not saying that you personally are a bad person. They may just not like what you're showing them. And there is as much value in listening hard to when someone tells you they don't really like what you've produced as there is to somebody says, hey, that's great. Here's a check. And actually, it's probably more value in that yeah. so I think my second tip would be listen super hard okay you know, and take everything they say both superficially and then go away and think about it and reflect on it and see whether you know actually were you just talking to the wrong people that could be a part of it but don't default to that because yeah. you know you have to be honest with yourself we did a very early on way before we were ready we were talking to a group of angel investors and this one chap kept saying well why should I give you my money instead of give it to my grandkids and, wow. I was like, and I was like, well, I agree, you know, give it to your grandkids if that's what you want. I'm not sure what return on investment schedule you expect from them, but OK. You know, so Brilliant. I felt myself getting needled because this guy didn't like what we did. And that was OK. But if he isn't honest enough to say you're not the ones for me, you just have to not bite. So, yeah, absolutely. Tricky. I think you, you that's a really great point to mention that you know, somebody's going to throw you a curveball and ask you a question you don't know the answer to as well. But actually just taking that question and pushing it back to them. Well, what kind of ROI are you going to get with that? And yeah. you know, put it back in their court. I think that's a fantastic way to navigate. And if they don't like that level of engagement or that level of dialogue, you know, they're, they're potentially going to be a shareholder in your business. And if you can't have a reasonable back and forth with them, then they're not going to be a great asset to your business. And I think that the other piece of advice is, decide what you need do you need a strategic investor or do you need dumb money you know do you just need some money to go roll out what you're doing if you want a strategic investor you've got to do more homework and does that change along the journey in terms of the type of investment you want and have you found that in your own journey yeah it definitely changes and we're just talking to um potential fund right now and it's really interesting you know they they are very much more in the we will add a bit more strategic value and i'm thinking well yes i do i think i want that now and actually, previously, we were like, 
I don't really not yet we're not ready for it yet we're still kind of kicking the product to death before we you know really think that that, and maybe that was the wrong decision um but you can't beat yourself up for those decisions it was you know we could have taken investment much sooner we decided not to whether I think that was a good or bad decision that was the decision and one of the things as a founder is you can't go back and second guess yourself the entire time because you've got to continue pushing ahead yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I love kicking it to death a little bit as well. I think have some fun with the creativity piece. And you can't do that if you're second guessing everything. It's about trying to achieve that end goal that you want to do. So completely with you on that. Was there anything that you came up against in those early days that you had to navigate around where it was maybe someone having a different belief to you or maybe even some unconscious bias? Was there anything like that you had to tackle in those early days? Yeah, I think there's always unconscious bias in every industry. Um, I was surprised still at the the lack of women in fintech. And I'm now in part of this great group, uh, Women of Fintech, it was set up by a really good uh, woman called Gemma Young, who has been amazing. She's really sort of, you know, she's one of those really collaborative people who just drives everyone together. But you still get, you know, I turn up onto all these SaaS stock things or, you know, any of those big conferences or Microsoft for startups. And I could count on one hand the number of women who were in those pitch rooms. And in the end, you kind of go, well, am I in the wrong place? Like, why <clears throat> is it just me? Did I just turn up to the wrong thing? You know, because there must be a reason why there's so few women here. Um, and actually, I'm not entirely sure why there are so few women. But one one meeting I did I did go to, and this guy goes, "Well, you know, we're really interested because you know it's fintech. We're interested in fintech, and of course, you know, you're you're a woman." And I was like, "I am." <laughs> At which point, I was like, "Scratch that." So, which actually, but that triggered a really interesting response from me because then I only started looking at investors or angels or funds that had women represented in what I would call investment decision roles rather than the sort of support function roles I've been a support function role I have nothing no problem with them you know but if you've only got a marketing person or an HR person who's a woman that's not really embracing women at the you know investment decision table so sort of changed my mindset a little bit and has that helped you as well in terms of have you seen once you've set those boundaries and recalibrated the way that you're pursuing funding have you seen a a sort of different, I want to say pattern in how that's evolved for you in terms of either a success rate or just a different dialogue that you maybe yeah. have had? It's restricted us is what it's done, actually. So, you know, I'm now at the point of thinking, okay, have I unnecessarily locked us out of a lot of conversations? And I probably have. So I have to revisit that as a kind of framework. Um, and I think unless you are, unless there's enough choice where you can say, I'm not actually harming the business, you know, as a director, you've got a duty to do the right thing for the company. So if by trying to put a sort of very strict framework around it, you actually do harm, then that's not a situation you can allow to carry on. So, so yeah, I'm having to rethink basically. Yeah, I think there won't be a day in the life of a startup where you don't have to rethink and sit down and reflect. <laughs> but good to know that you're constantly, and I'm hearing this as a pattern as we go through, that you're very open to that this is what we're doing now doesn't mean that's what we're going to be doing later. So that's yeah. great. And 
Can you tell us briefly just a little bit about your market and where you think it's going in the next five to 10 years? So it's been a fantastically interesting time. I mean, interesting is the, you know, the Chinese proverb that damns you to live in interesting times, because having come through a global pandemic, when you're trying to sell a software to medium to large size SMEs, and all they're trying to think about is, will we still be here at the end? You know, you end up in quite a difficult space. So we took the opportunity to basically retrench and say, what can we do with the product? How is this going to evolve? And a large part of what we do is machine learning and artificial intelligence. So when you present the machine with a once in a, it's not even a lifetime, you know, that's a shortened period, but once in a three or four generational time span event, and the machine doesn't know what to do with it. Hmm. So we had to really rethink what we were doing with the product. And, you know, that kind of forces us to look at the market in a different way. So I literally took a step back and thought, well, what what go-to-market strategy is right now then? You know, how should we do this? And maybe there's two routes rather than one direct route. And what if we focus on one or the other? And how does that change our value proposition? How does that change our targeting? So you're kind of continuously doing that. I think, I think the other thing is people are really struggling to get staff nowadays. So growth in terms of people numbers may be restricted more than anticipated. So there's just I think it's it's going to be an interesting time. I think it's going to be a bit slower coming out of 2022. Right, so coming out of the year, I'm already thinking about next year. <laughs> but you have to constantly be future gazing to sort of see where things are going. And I think you've got the technology at your fingertips to help people have a better idea of, you know, what the now looks like, but also what the future is going to look like. So tell us a little bit more about what your technology does in terms of how you're finding that that's helping your clients right now. So we do three things. We're helping people come off high risk and error error prone Excel spreadsheets and into a software environment. So you've got hours where people waste just kind of getting data where they need it to be. And so they've not got time to then go, so what? Yeah, what do we do with it? <laughs> what do we do now? So we're trying to remove all of that headache up front to present them with data that they can look at and go, ah, so I think this is going to mean we need to do X, Y, or Z. And one client actually said, well, I looked at the scenario planning and I thought, well, that deal that the sales guys want to do is really good, but can we afford it? He mm-hmm. said, turns out we can. I was like, brilliant. That's Brilliant. great, yeah. you know, but using the, the functionality to answer those moment questions, which are those sort of like, well, what if, can we, should we, is that okay? You know, as well as what is my cash position at the end of the day? Yeah, I think answering the moment questions is a brilliant one. You should definitely think about adding that into your sales pitch. I know, I, I should actually write that down. <laughs> that was a good one. And so thinking about, you know, some of the challenges, being a founder of a startup, guiding SMEs, not only through the pandemic, but also guiding them to sort of answer those key questions in the moment. What about your own sort of challenges that you're facing in your job? So targeting the right firms. So I think the sales pipeline will always be one of those challenges for any small business. You know, are you targeting the right people? And then the second challenge is, can you service them? So can you do all the follow-up meetings? Can you take them on that journey? And the third is actually the the length of time that takes. So, you know, you it's not as simple as just subscribe online because what you're doing is something slightly more complex. So, you know, we're a slightly more complex SaaS business, I guess, because there is a conversation, there is a demo sharing of data, you know, really trying to get under the skin of a client's issues. And that just takes longer 
than you can ever anticipate. So yeah, so keeping it, keeping the pipeline going, servicing the pipeline and actually holding your nerve while it takes the time it takes. And so is that in terms of how you're tackling that challenge right now, what are the things you're doing to overcome them? So that's why I'm refining my sales propositions. Right. Okay. Make it land a bit better. Attract the right people to you. Make it land. Yeah, exactly. Target the right SMEs. I also have the right conversations, you know, so there's no such thing as a wasted conversation to my mind. So if somebody has said, yes, I'd like to have a chat to you, even if they then don't think what you do is useful, there's always a moment where you can learn. You know, I love when somebody says, there's probably a bit too much in the software for me. I don't really need it to do these things. And then I have a conversation about, well, what is it you need? You know, maybe that's something for my product pipeline down the line. Maybe I'm not right for you now, mm-hmm. but as we grow and develop, maybe there'll be something, you know, should we keep in touch? So there's no there's no wasted conversation. And I think that's the best mindset you can have as a startup is no conversation, no meeting, no moment is a waste. Actually, you're learning all the time. Definitely. That's a brilliant one. Can you tell us though, when you feel like you've maybe missed an opportunity or left money on the table for whatever reason? I think when you first start having conversations with potential clients and you're so excited about what you've built, at that point, you are probably at your most close-minded about the market, the world you're trying to operate in, and you're not as prepared to hear that it's not for them. So, or you're not quite as prepared to kind of pivot a little bit to say, ah, I think maybe if we did it this way, that would make that client happy. So you get a little bit locked in at the very start, weirdly, before you've got any right to. And I think back to some of those early conversations and I'm like, oh my God, why didn't I just say, yeah, I think we could try that. Why was I so you know, precious. Where did that come from? Like, who who am I to be that precious about anything? What the hell do I know? So I, you know, and I'm and I'm very open to going back to people going, oh my God, thank you so much for the time you gave me. What a cow I must have come across as. I'm really <laughs> sorry about that. You know, because you just you just do silly things because you're really proud. There's this moment where you're so proud of what you've built. And it's my first time building a business. I was so proud. I was like, yes, this is marvelous. And then, you know, and it wasn't wasn't good enough you know and so I left I didn't hear that hard enough I I, you know I I forgot how to listen and I think that's um not for long but long enough to annoy me oh that's a brilliant learning and I think that is the snippet of genius in this episode for anyone listening I mean really it's about move that ego aside and listen harder because that is where the gold lies in scaling your startup and so what about obviously stepping into a role as CEO of a business you're becoming that leader or you are that leader should I say and what do you believe are those key attributes that you need to be great get out of the way (laughs) just get the hell out of the way you know you are not the person who knows everything about anything anymore you have become whether you like it or not a generalist so even if you started out as a specialist back in the day you're not that person anymore you have some skills that maybe are still relevant, but your biggest skill is in the convening power that a CEO has and the ability to say, we're going to get this done and to support the people who are going to get it done. So you have to just, again, it's ego. I think, you know, people just get in their own way and they get in other people's ways. And it's like, just don't do that. Don't do that. Don't be that person. 
Love that. That's such a brilliant answer. And I suppose as you're watching your company grow and you're seeing those wonderful moments where your team are coming up with the fabulous ideas, is there sort of any questions? I think specifically, if you could give us three critical questions you need to ask to check in with your business, what would they be? I would ask in terms of how is this either enhancing or improving the product that we're trying to sell? How are we going to test it, not just technically, but with prospective clients and current clients to validate that that is a genuine enhancement, not just a sort of slightly faster horse moment, you know, and how can I now, and this would be back to me, how can I make sense of this in terms of the long term vision for the company? And is it the right direction? So you can come up in a tech business, you can come up with ideas the whole time. And you could say, you know, one of the team might say, well, I think we're going to have a foreign exchange settlement service and I can build it in, you know, 20 minutes. Is that what I think is going to get people on board? Is that really going to add value? Is that something I could just buy in from a third party much cheaper and much easier? And they would do this perfectly. So you're continuously calibrating, you know, is this really the right thing? Can you do it? Yes. Is it technically possible? Yes. May people buy it? Yes. But is it right? Is it right? Really good one. And if I had to ask you, what does success mean to you? What would your answer be? Oh, I have little successes. Like I, I celebrate the small successes. So, you know, we found out that we've been really struggling with a technical problem. And one of the techies has figured out that it wasn't actually us. It was something else that we use that is the problem. That's a massive win, right? It's not solved. So it is not fixed by any means. Mm-hmm. But we know where we're at. So that little moment of success, I'm like, oh, my God, well done. That's fabulous. I'm really thrilled. Now, how do we now kind of get it sorted? So success to me is in the is the momentary success. I think if you're hanging around waiting for a big one, you're probably going to be a bit depressed most days. And as a founder, you cannot afford to hold yourself back. You've got to really just be happy with any of the wins and go, yeah, you know, that was a great meeting. Success. Okay, brilliant. Celebrate the little wins and get out of your own way. This is the top tips coming through. I've got some quick fire round questions for you now, Zita. Okay. okay, tell us something people often get wrong about you. That they think I am a natural extrovert and I'm not. Ah, okay. What's one thing you wish you'd done sooner? Had my kids. Oh, what's the best part about your job? Ooh, uh, talking to clients. Love it. Biggest lesson in running your own business? knowing that there will be days that suck. What are the best resources that have helped you along the way? For example, a book or a podcast or something else? So my favorite default book is a book called Leadership on the Line. Um, A chap I met, Marty Klinsky, we co-authored it. And it is still one of the books I go back to, to remind myself how to do stuff when it gets hard. Brilliant. I'll be adding that to the show notes. Wonderful. What's one piece of leadership advice you wish you'd known earlier or is so awful that you need to warn us? I would say, don't let your ego get in the way of doing the right thing. Brilliant. And what is the hard lesson you've learned in business? Nobody is going to do things with you and for you just because you'd like them to. You have to make your case. Nice. And what's one thing you're really excited about right now? Oh, it actually raised an investment, perversely. (laughs) (laughs) What's your goal now for the investment raise? So we're looking for half a million. So it's not a huge one. It's just the sort of, you know, next iteration. But I really like those meetings. I like meeting potential investors. I don't know. It's just another stick to beat myself with. 
<laughs> I think it's good. Keep keep them close. What's the one music track that lights you up and makes you feel you can take on the day? I think it would have to be an oldie right here, right now by Fatboy Slim, because you cannot fail to get moving. That's, I love that track. <laughs> Absolutely. Festival memories come flying right back. Right? Love exactly. it. Brighton Pier, the works. <laughs> the works. Lita, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And I hope to hear from you soon when you've nailed that next half a million. Thank you, Caroline. And that's a wrap. That's the end of episode one of series four. I hope that you found that burst of inspiration and motivation you need to start building the business you love. Do check out every episode's show notes for links to these fabulous companies these superstars are building. If you have a question you'd like to ask, you are invited to come and join all of us from this series over on LinkedIn in the Snippets of Genius community. And finally, if you haven't already subscribed, get on over to your preferred podcast platform, search and subscribe to Snippets of Genius and get every episode sent directly to you. Thanks so much for listening. Speak to you next week. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.